and welcome to the DMs Book Club, a podcast where we read about some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. Joining me again, second time on DMs Book Club, is John. John, how are you, my friend? Living the dream, Fiona. How are you oh. doing? Well, I'm now living the dream because you said you're living the dream. So it's uh, it's all good. Like, how are things with you? Last time you were here, we talked about a different kind of monster manual. We talked about the different, the, it was at the time, the new unearthed arcana race options, these uh, gothic lineages and stuff. So we had a ball last time. And since then, obviously, we've been playing our Pantheon game. And at some point, well, you playing it, you've been DMing it for us, I will say. Mm-hmm. And it's been an absolute treat for us. So I'm very excited. Oh, it's nearly my turn to play. And well, yes. May the gods have mercy on your souls. Oh, no. Because <laughs> however bad I am at DMing, it ain't nothing compared to what I'm like as a player. Oh, you are That's... being very humble. You're being very <laughs> humble because that is not true at all. It's been exciting. And I, yeah, I can't wait for that to eventually come out. So, Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, we're supposed to have four more episodes remaining in this one. And um, yeah, you see, if you lot stopped looking at things and stopped going in other directions and stopped doing other stuff, <laughs> we'd be done in four sessions, huh? My bet is somewhere near seven. Yeah. All I can say is that we are the ideal, realistic party. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What does this do? What does this do? Yeah. What's the worst that could happen if I press... All of these buttons, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly... I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway... John, should I tell you what uh, the topic is I've chosen for us today? Absolutely should. I will. So something um, I've realised with DMs Book Club over the last uh, couple of uh, months is that whilst we're doing amazing things, like looking at different campaign settings, different mechanics, I realised that I actually don't know anything about the sort of the general sort of history or sort of lore still. And we've, it's been a while since we've looked at Mordekainen's term of first, but I thought, why not go back and have a have a look at one of the uh, sort of the races in it? And I realised, again, to my folly, that I don't really know much about dwarves and their mm. history at all. It's one of those races, uh, lineages that I have never really played. And I maybe mm. it's because maybe me being biased, obviously growing up and watching Lord of the Rings, I was always into, I wanted to be an elf or something like that. And even playing in RPGs just now. Everyone wants to be an elf. Everyone wants to be an elf. Everyone wants to be a tiefling. Everyone wants to be, you know, an Asimar, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Built-in right? breath weapons. I, you want to be, you know, obviously stand out from it. And then you get to sort of a dwarves, classical dwarves, you're like, oh, you got Gimli and you got you got all the dwarves from The Hobbit and mm-hmm. obviously many, many other, many other, uh, you know, Terry Pratchett, all that sort of thing. And you're just like, oh, maybe not. Because maybe mm. to me at the time, they didn't seem as the, the, even though they are high fantasy and fantasy settings, I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, they don't, they don't seem to appeal and stuff like that. So I thought, yeah. why don't I look, you know, why don't we even look at the, the mm. history of them that has been presented in Modern Islands and see if that would change my, certainly my view on it. And I think mm. it has. I actually mm. think it has. So we're going to look at Dwarves and Durgar, so the chapter mm. three in Monarchidens. Um, Just from your initial impressions of this chapter, John, what did you think? I mean, what was your experience with dwarves from d and I guess is my first question Ooh. to you. Well, going all the way back, I mean, yeah, you're looking at it from all the way back in basic red box, white box, all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And dwarves just weren't as, don't use the word interesting, but they weren't as powerful. Mm. If you picked an elf, you were a magic user and a fighter at level one straight away, no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. If you picked a dwarf, you were a dwarf. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the joy and can't climb so well. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, what bonus do I get there? None. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it as it was gone on and on, and it's like, there's no real bonus to this. 
you're short, you're bad tempered. It's it's such a stereotype. Yes, but it's it's exactly how they're still looking at it from this. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's been a variety of things that have gone on in recent times, and things of attitudes are starting to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Dinklage and his, his comment towards Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and yes. why are we still perpetrating these myths? Mm-hmm. And I have to say, looking at this, you're looking at it going, well, yeah, that's still being perpetrated. You've still got what are they? They're insular. They like being inside. They don't like other races. They don't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. They like doing whatever they're doing, which actually, when you think about it, is not that different from the elves. But the difference behind it being is that the elves are pretty. Yes. <laughs> the <laughs> elves true. are pretty. Yeah. The dwarves are not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's that whole, well, we're still shut in. We're still doing this. We're still doing this. And then the Duogar, which we will definitely come on to later on because, well, there is... Um, going to cause a bone of contention now, isn't it? Because, yeah, yeah lawful evil? Really? Mm. Really? Yeah. It's it's very interesting because, again, I it's been, like I said, it's been a little while since I've read Mordecai's, I think over a year or so of, mm. uh, I think we looked at the at the Githyanki and the Githsari and, and the Blood Wolves, certainly very early mm. episodes of Dean's Book Club. And then to come back to it, to read this chapter and to, and to read the Elves chapter for a, a later episode, mm. I kind of was like, ooh, I don't like how it's been written. The tone of it seems really off. And as we no. just discussed off the recording, this book came out in 2018. So at the time of recording, four years ago. And it's one of those things where if it was released now, I think there'd be a lot of backlash against it. I like, there's some arguments. It just feels like the mm. the way it's written, and I know with Monokines and the same with like Tasha's and Volos, yeah. it's obviously that the voice throughout. <laughs> Some of the stuff that Mordecai says, and I'm sure you said this in the other chapter as well, it mm. feels very judgmental mm. and unnecessarily like, like it's like a comment. And I'm just like, actually, I don't need that comment. I don't need you to mm. comment on how you see this person's race as. Mm. And it's, yeah, I did feel a bit uncomfortable, to, certainly towards the end, yeah. with the comments on the Duraga. I was like, and you've grouped an entire race in amongst your perspective. Yeah. And it is just a perspective, it's not a truth, it's a perspective. Mm. Definitely. But you've grouped everything about them in that thing. Now, fair enough, it, it makes them, from a purely meta point of view, absolutely no problem at all. If everything that Mordecai says is correct about them, they are, in fact, vicious psychos who enjoy killing things. Mm-hmm. Okay. But are they? Yeah. Are they really? Because you read the whole chapter and there's that thing of, yeah, I'm not sure they are, actually. Yeah. No. I, I can see the references to the use of slaves, the reference to the use of everything else. Mm-hmm. But then you've got the wonder. It's one clan. Yes. It's not a separate race. No. It's one clan mm-hmm. against every other dwarf in creation. Mm-hmm. And every other dwarf hates them. Let's talk about the quick history of it then. Essentially, mm. and again, this is a me, me comparing it to the elves, whereas the elves there sort of uh, the split of their races sort of happened before they came into the material plane. Mm-hmm. For the dwarves, it happened on the material plane. This idea that you know dwarves they sort of serve their uh, deity uh, Moradin, um, mm-hmm. who's always about perfection, progress, mm-hmm. striving, crafting, all all good stuff. And I, again, I quite like that appeal of, and it does say later on that idea that dwarven religion is at the heart of everything mm. they do. And 
I quite like that's actually seeing that and the different sort of deities that are sort of mm. written down there. But then it talks about the Sturadagar clan who had suddenly gained this sort of obsession to keep digging, to keep mm-hmm. finding, because they're just like one you know, mm-hmm. uh, hit away from finding the treasure and stuff yep. like that. And and to a very brutal campaign of them just constantly digging down, 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 where mm-hmm. the slightly weaker members of the clan are, you know, die to the point where they just are pushed out of the way so they can keep mm-hmm. going and going and going. And again, a great imagery, I think, from that. Mm-hmm. It's like an interesting story. And then when they break through, they finally get to where they believe that's where the, their mm. goal is to find out that all this time they've been controlled by a huge elder brain and all this illithids underneath there yep. who've sent out this lure to capture the greed that's in every dwarf mm. and from there enslave the rest of this clan and yep. then to do experiments on them and to to mm-hmm. change them into what they are now and then to have a hero come up from them to to ask Admodius of all people to come and help them out. Like again, a great story in itself, a really interesting uh, yeah. sort of thing to overcome the mind flares and then to get back to the service to only to discover the rest of the dwarves have sort of denounced them that they, mm. as you sort of put it to me off podcast, that oh they didn't keep the temples clean or, or mm. in in good order. So yeah. your heritage. You didn't keep worshiping Moradin, therefore you must be evil, and therefore we must wipe you out. Yeah. The fact that you were controlled by lithids to go down, mm-hmm. one word, Moria. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there weren't anything down there, but somehow those dwarves aren't evil. Yeah. So the, there wasn't anything mind controlling down there, and yet mm-hmm. they're not evil. Mm-hmm. And then they have the strength to break away from the lithids. I mean, for God's sake, that's not a small undertaking. No, not at all. But they've managed to do that. They broke away. They come back up. They should be the absolute pride of the Dwarven nation mm-hmm. because they've done that. And yet, yeah, you, you, your church is messy. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are we annoyed? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're annoyed. To the point where it get, gets that thing with the hero, and I know I'm going to say their name wrong, the La, La Duga. Yeah, La Duga. Who then swears that they will take mm. Moradin's place as well? And again, a very cool mm. image of that, like that sort of like I, you know, and again the way that character is described in the the story with Abmodius about mm. going coming over the three trials as a stoic, unflinching things, and that's where you get the three principles mm. of the Duragar. So I, again, I, great. I think those parts of this chapter were really well written and like mm. for me very evocative of like what a what a great story, and that's you know why the dwarves yeah. are as we are. But I completely agree. It, it, does feel a bit like as it then goes on to describe the Duraga in a lot of detail, you, you get that sense that there is a definite sort of bias saying, like, well, they're clearly mm. evil because of this stuff. And you think to yourself, yeah. well, actually, as, as you've already said, come on. <laughs> like <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, the thought for me was immediately, are the dwarves the assholes? Mm. You know, I mean, quite I mean, literally. I, I, I would say yes. Uh, yeah, you know, A D T A. You know what I mean? It's like, actually, yes, they appear to be. Um, you know, and there's this one clan that's still doing things, and and okay, they've abandoned dwarfish pursuits. Mm. Okay, well, all right. And that, for those followers of Moradin, is enough to cast them down, because they're no longer following what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. So they're not obeying rigid doctrine, and for that we must cast them down. Really? Well, let's have a look. Do we have any other uh, parallels in the real world about that one? I think we might. <laughs> I mean, I like the bit that, that it went through all the other, the other dwarves within the different realms. Mm-hmm. Yes. But once again, it did the whole, I mean, you've got the hill dwarves who go outside. You've got the mountain dwarves who stay inside. Yes. You've got the gold dwarves who stay inside. You've got the shield dwarves who go outside. I'm spotting a pattern emerging here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just 
something where you're literally boxing them up. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate they like to stay underground, no problem at all. Yeah. I get the idea of that, no problem. Mm-hmm. But it's like they're not, for all that they're supposed to be good. Yes. I'm talking about regular dwarves now rather than the Duga, but mm-hmm. at the same time, what do they do? Well, they stay inside and obsess about crafting things. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. That's all they do. Mm-hmm. How is that so very different? Yeah, it's incredibly similar. I guess it's like the, yeah. the way it would be justified in quotation marks is like, well, the Duragar take it to the extreme in the sense of that, you know, it's never enough. It's never mm. one thing. That, and there's, a, there's definitely a little later on, it talks about them preferring quantity over quality. Quality, yeah. Yeah, and I... Again, it's that sort of thing going, it's such a slight thing. And maybe that's the, maybe that is a good thing about villains and that sort of mm-hmm. thing that they started good and then got to be evil. But yeah, I, I definitely feel they got a bit of a, to me, they got a bit of a raw deal in this history. So mm-hmm. I, and it's one of those things where I, again, if players wanted to play Duragar, I would definitely mm-hmm. pull them aside to feel like, just so you know about this history, but mm-hmm. let's work the narrative so that not every dwarf you meet, you want to kill them and they want to kill you. We'll re- rewrite that narrative completely, but this mm. has happened to you. You There is yeah. a generational trauma. Like yeah. It talks about, um, I'm sure you've read this, so this idea of drinking ale. Drinking too much. Yeah. All right. And I, again, I yeah. didn't know this, but with dwarves, when they drink, they drink to celebrate rather than to forget. Yeah. So this idea that when they drink, they remember memories of past, of, of mm-hmm. great achievements and, and sorrows. And it's like a, it's almost like a social yeah. thing it's, in it's a way. It's a racial memory, isn't it? That's the whole yeah. thing. But where, whereas, and they will do it to excess, whereas the Duragar won't, will drink, but not to excess because then they will wake up with what sounds like awful hangovers of, of remembering their previous ancestors being tortured. And I, I'm their like, racial memory. Which, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, that, that's one of the things I noted down here, just uh, that whole awakening racial memories of slavery. And it's like, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. You I'm, know something? You can see where a dwarf trying to make friends with a Duragar and goes, let's have a drink. And the Duragar goes, really? Mm, really? You want to no. have a drink? <laughs> And there's that whole massive, you've, you've switched it completely. Mm-hmm. And there's that moment where the dwarf goes, no, but this is a good thing. I'm, I'm, I'm here. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have some drink. It's good. No problem at all. Mm-hmm. And the dwarf goes like, really? <laughs> You're inviting me to remember all the things that happened to me. Yes. <laughs> and my people. Are you now? Yeah. Well, that's nice. <laughs> How about I have an axe? Let's have a fight instead. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, you know, just... And I like the idea that they, they somehow managed to overwrite mm. in that way. It, it was it goes so deep mm. what was done to them that it replaced the good memories of that. And you have to wonder, given that gods are existing, mm-hmm. gods are present, how come Moradin hasn't just stepped in and gone, you know something, wouldn't that be a thing if I gave you back the good memories? Yeah. If I just gave you back all the things that made you who we are, mm-hmm. Would you not suddenly go, you know, something I can get drunk and it's all good memories? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, something, it's shit. Yeah. It's really shit. And you know something, if you get drunk, you're going to remember more shit. Mm-hmm. You, know, you never again go drinking because your hangover is going to be the worst thing you've ever had in your life. And, you know, and no care for crafting. I mean, you know, yeah, fair enough. I get that with the dwarves. No problem at all. You can spend 50 years making a device mm. and it's a glorious thing and it's a masterwork and all sorts of other stuff. But then you've got on the other side the whole, yeah, but I made this in two hours and it works. Yes. So, yeah, no problem at all. This makes the dwarves the Gucci of the world. (laughs) 
which, you know, fair enough, maybe I shouldn't choose Gucci on account of what they've been doing recently. But at the same time, yeah. there's that moment of the dwarves are Gucci. Yeah. And the Dura are all the cheap knockoffs. Yeah. Pretty, Except pretty the cheap knockoffs are still fairly good at what they do. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be more of them. Mm-hmm. And they have to do more of them because there's far less of them mm-hmm. than there is of every other dwarf clan. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're going to make things at far faster, far higher. Mm-hmm. You know, just. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting point. Again, I'm going to talk about the, the deity, and I'm going to get this name wrong, the Abathor? Abathor. Yes. And that's idea. Yes, that one. Um, so this this is one of the deities that's seen. There's like four main deities that's seen in the dwarven households, and this is one of them, which is a, a neutral evil god that's all about that greed stuff. But the reason this person is sort of kept in this area, because it uses that idea of like the shortcuts, a little bit of trickery, that sort of thing. And it comes into play when dwarves are selling their wares, perhaps, to um, to outsiders. And they're like, oh, this this isn't my finest work, but I'm going to sell it for a high price anyway, because these these idiots don't know anything any difference. Oh. But then to say the humanoids or to the to the to the elves or whoever they're selling it to, they're sort of like, wow, this is the possibly the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, best thing I've yeah. ever seen. Which... And, then, and and they're like, I'm gonna pay you for what I think it's worth. And it's they had this great uh what's it, the great no, I can't find it, but it talked about this idea of like uh, a dwarf might be like, oh, this is just a just a bog standard thing, whereas a farmer would see it as a, a thing for life. Yeah, and, as a master walk. Yeah, exactly. And I just think that's it's such an interesting way of looking at it. Because again, I again we've 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 dealt with dwarves in our campaigns and stuff like that. Mm. They, they are master smiths. They are you know they're, mm. they're artisans and they're again that idea of crafting to perfection. But if something's not perfect. They're like, well, I'm just going to sell it for a high price anyway. And they won't know the difference. And mm. like you're right, they don't know the difference, they but they're the still going to get their money's worth. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, I don't see as being evil. I don't yeah. see. I think that's crafty, right? That's that's, that's, that's like yeah. that's sensible. You you got the whole. Yeah. I I don't you know I'm I'm not going to use this, mm-hmm. but it's better than anything you've got. Yeah. So I can sell it for more than anything you paid, mm-hmm. and you'll still buy it. And actually, it's not a bad deal I'm giving you here. This is the best thing you're ever going to get. Fair enough. I'm charging you for it, but you couldn't afford a masterwork. Yeah. So I give you this thing that I made. It's not the best thing I've ever made, but you know, something is better than your stuff. Yeah. Which, absolutely. I mean, yeah, so it's an elite statue, and fair enough, no problem at all. But it's like everything else. I mean, we're back to, uh, going back to Patrick briefly, we're back to Feynman's theory of uh, socioeconomical fairness. Mm-hmm. No problem at all. The 50 quid pair of boots will last you forever. No problem whatsoever. Whereas the tenor will wear out after six months, mm-hmm. and you'll have to buy five more sets at least. Mm-hmm. And then five more sets, but the other, the 50 quid boots will still be working at that point. Mm-hmm. So because you've spent more money on the one thing, yeah, you know, it, it's still, it's an unfairness, but it's not necessarily evil. It's just, yeah, yeah, which. Yeah, again, yeah. like we've like we've we've talked about this certainly before in the Book Club, this idea of evil being absolute when there are, it's, it's not, it's all subjective really, isn't yeah. it? And it's like, yeah, like, I totally agree with that idea of like, yeah, like, Pay what you're worth, even if you don't think it's the best. It's not mm. you're not lying to these people because obviously no. you'll have I don't know the axe on there going. This my axe is one of the best I've made. It's not the best, and then you've got you see like three more you know on the shelf behind it as they're being cooled or whatever. It's mm. like of course then you're not going to buy the one item that and then no one else has it in the game. Like that's yeah. just silly. Just no silly. And you know the other thing is they only have for, for change. So everything else about dwarves is nothing changes. Yes. Which yes. then brings the question, was the Duragar's sin not that they did all these things? 
mm-hmm. but that they chose to change. Mm-hmm. Is that the sin for which they're being punished? They dared to take their own path. Is that why everyone else hates them? I mean, we're back to religious psychos here, but you know. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's, it's true. It's, again, looking at it, again, it talks about this, you know, the obsessive pursuit of perfection. Mm-hmm. They value stability, the repetition and tradition above everything else. And dwarves would see that chaos and change causes distractions from what they are at hand. But as a result, that means they're going to mm-hmm. you know, use the same defense tactics uh, mm-hmm. all the time in their stronghold because it, it worked before. Why would we change now? Yeah. Why would we need to adapt? And that sort of thing. So it, it is true, this idea mm-hmm. that of, you know, having a god that is talking about being adaptive and change is so alien to these to these wars. And yet, those ones that have do do that, they're sort of frowned upon or, or maybe cast mm. out as exiles per se because they don't necessarily fit into this clan uh, mm. ideals and stuff like that. Yeah, I completely see that. And it's it's I think it was interesting as well. It then talks about like their relationships with humans and elves and other races outside their own. It gave the example of like, oh, there's a, a trades uh, embassy that goes to a human city. They come every thirty years, but as soon as they're there, the people they dealt with well they're no longer around so they have to redo Mm. everything all over again and it's like i mean i get that social anxiety all the time when i'm going Mm -hmm. out but i but i expect that whereas dwarves don't necessarily expect it like well what do you mean we have to talk to somebody else we've already did this Mm. like ages ago and it's like we did did it years ago here's the contract yeah and you're like that's great but that was 30 years ago i wasn't around (laughs) then you know that sort of thing (laughs) and i I think that that's the other thing isn't it it's at some point the dwarves are bound and obliged to fail because all it takes is that someone goes all right so you're a clan of dwarves you've been following this you follow this god no problem at all you're in here which means that there's two walls there there's something behind it you've got a pit trap lock behind that one on the side there you've got some arrow points on the bottom end of that one there's going to be some acid so all we have to do to get through all that is mm-hmm. and you know there's walls on the other side going ah but this worked for my forefather it's like yeah yeah it did um dude yeah, 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 brief word. Um, I suspect your plan may have a little tiny hole in it. You know, which which hole is that then? Where's the hole the artillery is about to drop into? Because mm-hmm. you know they figured out that yeah, you know something vulnerable. And... I do love the idea of having like a heist base in mm. a dwarven's uh, stronghold yeah. stronghold now because it again it goes into a lot of detail about their strongholds and stuff like mm. that and how the best treasures obviously kept in and this idea like the more uh precious uh sort of inner chambers of it are going to be decorated and beautiful whereas the eldest ones because that's what the defenses are well they're not going to look any prettier or anything like this is like it's a good job but i mean to us mm. they'll look amazing but they'll be like no no, no mm. it's just fine the real stuff's in here but you won't get in it because we don't trust you yet you know even yeah. those outsiders don't get too much of a looking so you'll never really see it but i love the idea that if you manage to get like a plan or something mm. of that or stronghold you're like, right it's here how we're we gonna break it yeah how we're gonna go into it yeah yeah <laughs> you know oceans nine no um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean and I, I like the idea that you know the, the enemies all around part of it the, the bit where they're actually talking about the different things that would want to draw and stronghold yes you know, and the answer came back yeah, actually not too many of them yeah, yeah. I, I actually found that quite shocking because it, it mm. the lists out obviously all the dragons because obviously like dragons mm. like hordes blah, blah, blah. and then it was yeah. like these all these dragons unlikely to meet a uh, thing unless uh, you know they're close by and I was like mm. oh surely like I because we have done an episode of dragons I think surely if they're greedy enough and they know there is a horde nearby you'd go and attack it anyway or you work you get mm-hmm. minions and you go and make that your home no matter what um, uh, <laughs> Metallic dragon, you are. There's a chromatic dragon. Sorry, you are. Like yeah. I just was like, I mean, it's it's yeah. treasure, 
they like treasure. Like it's, it's a big defining feature. They're going to, you know, mm. they know there's a big treasure. They're going to get it. You know, they're going to yeah. try and take it or team up together or something. Mm. So, yeah. Well, it's the thing though, isn't it? It just, it's, it loses something of it. I mean, it says uh, given the orc's propensity to rely on brute force, they can only come severely weakened dwarf strongholds. I'm like, really? Orcs aren't dumb. Yeah, orcs are not dumb at all. So all they have to do is go, okay, well, let's have a think. What do we do? Well, these are dwarves. They're not doing a go. Let's get them drunk. Mm-hmm. And then let's get them talking about stuff. Mm. And then let's remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At it. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I love the idea that, you know, the giants were an enemy. And I'm like, at what point is a giant going to want to sit in a very cramped basement? No. Which think, is what it ostensibly is, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I think, like, certainly, like, from again, brief game experience, like, I can imagine the fire giants going, I like all these dwarves, but they're coming with me to the volcano. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm going to make them work in the forges. I, I, it's mm-hmm. more them taking them out. But yeah. even then, like, yeah, I, it's, like it says, it doesn't, they won't launch direct attacks on it unless, no. unless it's extremely circumstances, which makes sense because, yeah, their size is a great disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. You, you're literally crawling in. It, it's, yeah. it, it turns into a game of Space Hulk. You're suddenly walking around waiting for the dwarves to swarm all over you, which. No, very, you're good. Very good of us travels, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know. And, but then it makes you it makes you ask the question. I mean, you look at classic Lord of the Rings. Mm. You know, smog sitting underground. And don't get me wrong, the, the films when they did the depiction of, of those halls mm. and everything else, and they're these immense, great, massive open spaces. And I'm like, why? Mm. Why would dwarves build that? Yeah, like that. They, they don't want somewhere where there's a thousand meter view. No. Not really. They yeah. like their small areas and their nice little secure bits and everything else. Mm-hmm. This has got a thing where a worm's, it's quite literally going wandering around stuff. Mm-hmm. And they just happen to have left a cast of gold. I mean, don't get me wrong, that, that um, in the quiet words of the bard, what the hell was that? <laughs> we just happened to leave this gold thing here that if you melt all the gold, it pours down and makes a gold jelly. No, behave. <laughs> you know, have a word. Have a word. Just go back to that point as well Because you're mm. talking about traps briefly there mm. it, it had an interesting uh, little, A very small paragraph Saying that the sort of traps or defences In a stronghold They won't be stuffed necessarily Like a pit trap or anything like Just in case yep. it'll hurt the clan members Which is very mm. interesting Because obviously a lot of the dungeons I've certainly played in Have mm. yep. acid traps or these sort of traps So it's because then, then I guess So if you were in a dwarven stronghold Then you would have to like obviously say like Okay there's, there's definitely other ways that stops mm. Attackers coming in if they do get in, you know that sort of mm. thing. But I, I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't necessarily considered that. They were like, oh yeah, we don't put these in here just in case there's some, there's some bloody idiot <laughs> that comes in. <laughs> it's like, oh, Derek's in the pit again. Mm. <laughs> like, you know. and, and that's the thing though, because for me, it, it doesn't make sense if a dungeon is built. I use the word dungeon, stronghold, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but you recall the thing that we played in Pantheon, um, mm. and you went down and the cabals were there. Mm. Yes. But every bit in there had every an off layer. switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every single thing had an off switch that if you knew what it was, you could go straight through it, no problem whatsoever. From the weighted box on one of them that makes sure the thing doesn't drop to the you know the illusion of Tiamat and a variety of other stuff. And it's like, I'm not going in there. And then someone goes, is it the exact same thing every time? And someone mm. goes, yeah. Do we think it's real? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but if you know, you just walk straight in. No problem yeah. at all. Is that a brief minute of, yep. I'm going to be deaf for a second, but, you know, it'll be fine. No worries. Yeah, it's like, yeah you're on the phone. You go, oh, give me one second. I'm about to go through the Tiamat tunnel. Uh, the Tiamat tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. No problem. What's the worst <laughs> that could happen? But if you knew that, and these are dwarves, perfection. Mm. 
So why not? Because you know where the traps are. Mm-hmm. You helped engineer them. You've got a good memory. This is what dwarves do. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you have all these traps? Why wouldn't they be the sort of trap that Heath Robinson would be proud of? You know, mm-hmm. you know only the penitent man kneels before God. Yeah, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> no dwarf did that one. They'd have just gone, yeah, no problem at all. What's this? <laughs> well, it looked like a blender. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not going to affect you if you're a dwarf. Why? Because you're small. No problem mm-hmm. at all. Comes in at head height. Yeah, but not their head height. No problem at no. all. They yeah. just walk straight through going, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? You know, don't wear a high hat. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Don't wear your best, yeah, your best, yeah, your best hat or your best yeah. sort of, uh, fascinator just in case. Yeah. <laughs> no plumes on your head, son. You know, that's yeah. like, no. Yeah. And then, that's the thing. I mean, they talk about you know, the use of magic and everything else. Yeah, this is an interesting Using one. magic to assist in the creation of things is anathema. Really, is it? Mm. It amounts to nothing more than cheating. Did you have to learn the magic? Yes, you did. Yeah, I found that really interesting. This idea is like, well, mm. if you gain it from uh, one of the dwarven gods, or, you know, as a cleric or something like that, mm. then that's okay. But anything else is frowned mm. upon because it's not within the pantheon. And again, it comes back to that whole sort of, you know, religion being a very strong part of religious the fanatics. And it's just, I, it's interesting because then, yeah, you know, yeah, if you were mm. going to have, say, a sorcerer or you know, a warlock or anything like that, it mm. would be, again, maybe it's something I would say, like, because again, going back to the whole thing of like the clan is the most important thing. Mm. But when they're adventuring, there's two things certainly for dwarves is like either they are, um, you know, they don't fit in, so they're mm. going to go out by themselves, or they've been sent on a special mission by one of the, um, the one of the temples or something like to mm. do something for the clan with the aim to come back at some point. So I just, again, I can easily see if you wanted mm. to be real spellcasters and you wanted to fit into this law per se, you're like, okay, well, you don't fit in well with the clan and that's just that. So that's the thing. Yeah. I'm just like, that's such a shame because like, yeah, you'd think with, with smithing and perfection, it doesn't matter how you get there. Surely you'd mm. want every bit of help to make sure you get there. But- you made the perfect thing, but you see that's, that may be more of a gnomish perspective rather than dwarfish perspective. Definitely. You know, the dwarf sitting there going, no, I must use these hammers. And it's like, okay. Except the humans over there are making ballistas that throw balls of, you know, sun at you. Mm. And that wizard over there, yeah, you know, the 18th level one? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, don't go near that. Why? Because it will kill you. Why? Because you haven't figured out what magic is yet. It has no such compunction. Mm-hmm. It just goes, yeah, fine, no problem at all. What have I got here? Hmm. Power word, bugger up the dwarves. <laughs> what look? Yeah. <laughs> but going going then back into the that the clan stuff then. So I, I did find this sort of a bit interesting where every clan calls upon its members to have sort of free principal roles to fill out. Mm, yes. um, first one being it's an occupation that sustains in the community itself. So mm, you know, like food wise. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because it's and it, I think it makes it clear that not everyone can be a uh, you know a master artisan or a mm. vigilant warrior. You need a whole range of talents. So I quite like that the fact that you could easily mm. you don't have to be the brave warrior or the person that's like the mm. trader sort of thing. You could literally be this person mm. that's for whatever reason exiled or is out on an adventure because you've been sent to it. Mm. The second role, as I said, was like occupations that involve crafting items or other forms of creation, mm. so smelting, smithing, gem cutting, etc. And then the third one is, uh, I quite like the title of this, or the way it's sort of phrased, it says, be informed by those who navigate the space between the clan and the chaotic creatures of the outside world. So, mm. you know, envoys, merchants, I think. And the real thing I really liked about it, because then it goes into like the leadership and government stuff a bit, and mm. obviously this idea that the the it's, each clan has a, a king or a queen, 
from a noble family who mm. is believed or has a claim to be uh, descended from one of the first dwarves. But the idea that every sort of young noble then has to spend time with each master of a profession of the clan so mm. they have that sort of they have the knowledge of doing that but also to assess what their temperament is as yeah. a thing and i just thought that actually that was quite a cool little thing because like you know that's a nice idea and it fits yeah. in with the traditions and everything else which exactly again it all forms to the whole your path is chosen mm. your path will be chosen you will not deviate from this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you will never be anything else mm-hmm. which of course begs the question are all adventurers outcasts yeah, it's true. I I would again because it gives you that option to be like, well, you could be sent as a mm. you know from one of the temples or one or from yep. like a, a gothic. But I agree. It, I I would assume from yep. the way it's read, if you're a warrior of some sort and you're mm-hmm. not with your dwarven clan, you must have left for some reason. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there must be something bad. And if you're an envoy or a, or a merchant or something similar, great, no problem at all. But as soon as your job's done, you've got to go back. Back, yeah, exactly. So why so... would you continue on your adventure with your your party? Yeah. So yeah. And it's not like you're going to turn around and say, well, it, it just, it took me 20 years to go get that bread. <laughs> you're not like, John Belchon. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Don't think he did, son. But no, 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 really. I was out getting bread for 20 years. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I came back with some mithril. Yeah, well, what about that? Um, I, I found some of that on the way back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess and the these scars, yeah. I, I was cooking bread and then, you know, just, just yeah. It just, just no. carried on. But, but yeah. I do think that's quite interesting because, yeah, like role playing that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I know, again, it, it is, we can go into like Duragar adventures as well, but this, or, or dwarven adventures as well. It's mm-hmm. just, again, because this, this is something that if I was role playing a dwarf or, or playing a, a dwarven character before reading this, I would not even, I, I, knew, I knew vaguely that the clans were very important, but the idea is like mm. oh you have to go back at some point like mm. that seems so alien to me as a as a just as a player yeah. just because i'm like well I've, yeah. this is my family now mm. i'm with them i'm doing stuff with them i don't need you know unless something drastic is happening back at home mm-hmm. why would i ever go back yeah. so yeah I, it's an interesting yeah. you, one you can never go home was the comment something that's uh mm. someone that was told to me many years ago he said you know the um said you can you can return to the house mm. but you can never go home mm. Because as soon as you've left, it changes. Mm-hmm. And that's true. That, that's so very true. But for dwarves, you can never leave home. Mm. Which I can imagine not worse. So you're never going to make new plans. You're never going to do anything else. Everything is about continuing the status quo. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, that's a dead race waiting to happen. Someone will do something bad. Mm-hmm. And because you're so stuck in your ways, you won't see what's been done. And... Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just ways to think about it, I guess. It's that mm. sort of just you know, just keeping it in mind. And that that's why again, the whole point of DS Book Club is like, oh, there's mm. all these interesting things. Like I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't have known about it before. But now we're, if I had a player who's really keen, I was like, let's talk more about that history. And like, mm. like, do you feel strongly with your clan? Like maybe you go back fairly often. Like it, it talks about like this idea when dwarves volunteer for a life outside of the world, whether they mm. take up like true adventuring or pursue like a ma- mundane occupation, yeah. they remain members of the clan and they always include some responsibility to the clan. So whether yeah. there's reporting back, even if you're a blacksmith in just the, the local village, yeah. but you know, it, that, that you always have that connection. Mm. And I, I just I think from when we've played role playing games, certainly video role playing games, there's always that mm. I'm an orphan, I don't have connections to uh, blah 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 blah. Yeah. So I think I think I think here definitely a, a nice backstory of like mm. clan stuff would be really it would be very key for this. Yeah, it would be an interesting one. And I think I mean again we're back to Lord of the Rings rather than D D, but at the same time, you've got the whole uh, all the dwarves went to Moria. Mm-hmm. No problem. But first of all, they were with a hobbit. 
mm. and did a variety of other things in order to find what they wanted to find and do the other things and everything else. And it's like, well, okay, but you must have had a reason for that. Mm. Now, in this, it would have been you were outcast because of someone destroyed your home. Yes. That's why you're going back to retake it. Fine, no problem at all. But we're back to the whole, but you're going back to retake it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You haven't moved on and gone, you know something, there's a mountain over there that doesn't have a dragon sitting in it. Yeah, let's, let's go for that one. Well, look, let, let's have that. Mm-hmm. There's millions of us. Can we can we tunnel? Yeah, we can tunnel. Yeah. Can we build? Yeah, yeah, we can build. Yeah, we're great to do. Can can we build this gigantic catapult that can shoot a rock onto the dragon's head? We probably can. Let's try that. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh. You know, it's like crossbows and catapults. You've got one dwarf mountain over here, one dwarf mountain over here, mm-hmm. and this one's lining up this gigantic crossbow. So every time the dragon sticks his head out and yawns, it's like, gotcha. Got yeah. Yeah. Great. So let me get this straight, guys. We've killed the dragon. It's now a 3,000-mile walk. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Are we all small? Yeah, we're all small. Is it going to feel like a 6,000-mile walk? It is going to feel like a 6,000-mile walk. None of us have oh, the it. arcane ability to move us there any closer. And we can't use magic. We can't yeah. even fleet foot it. it. No. No. <laughs> Did we build some airships? We must have built some airships. No. Why would we need airships on the ground? I know. Yeah, shit. Exactly. No one built airships? I know. <laughs> I love the idea. It's just like the, the king or queen of, of the clan is just like you know, the mum that's on the wall. Come on, we're going to go for a hike. You're going to love it. And we're all like, ah. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> just like yeah. across the, around the lake. Just, yeah. oh. Why are we living in mountains? Because then we can get our steps in every day. Mm. That's pretty, yeah. They all have, they all have time. There's yeah. the on them. Why not? Put yeah, on with this. <laughs> yes. Ah. I love it. Let's, let's go, as, as we've looked at dwarves quite great, let's look mm. at Duragar now. So, yes, yeah, so we yeah. kind of mentioned it briefly, this idea of them having sort of free rules of, con- of conduct, sorry, mm. where all of their psychology, culture, and, and society are mm. based around these three things. So the first one is our pockets are never full, mm-hmm. our fight is never done, and our resolve is never it's shaken. Never shaken. Like, Which oh. I loved. Yes. I love that third one in particular. I, I love the whole our resolve is never shaken. Yeah. doesn't matter what you do, we ain't going to change from the path that we're on. Mm. Which makes them innately dwarvish. Yes, a thousand percent. Yeah, our, our pockets are never full. The greed for greater things, mm-hmm. innately dwarvish. Our fight is never done, innately dwarvish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those three things are exactly the tenets of the rest of the dwarves. Yeah. They're just voiced differently. Yes, agreed. Which, I'm back to the whole how are these the bad guys? What, what's, <laughs> you know. What's wrong with this picture? I mean, you know, it's, it's fair enough. I mean, they've got several quotes in here about the various different things where people have said things like um, work or die. In the first case, you are useful. In the second, you are entertaining. Well, okay. <laughs> yep, fine. All right. So you've got one person who's evil. Fine. Mm-hmm. No problem at all. Um, you know, our God sprang from among us. They endured our hardships and carved a path to our salvation. What has your God done for you? And the answer is not very bloody much last time no. I checked. Definitely not. You know, and, and you look at these things that the mind is but another material set before it to shape into a weapon. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. No problem at all. These these things aren't bad. No. Yeah. They're, they're in, things in any where other you light, think, it would just seen yeah. as like a, a you know, not yeah. an idealistic, but like definitely something to strive towards and determined. Yeah. I can I can definitely see like, yeah, our fight is never done, our resolve is mm. never shaken, like as as posters, you mm. know. Uh our pockets are never full. I guess that's on like some financial times website. I don't know. But um <laughs> those those circuitry, I can imagine them like banners and stuff like mm. that, and people chanting them, like uh oh, yeah. very cool. 
well, you know, just, just boiler rooms filled with you know, Duragar all yelling for shares. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, do, don't don't mess with a with a with a share dealer if it's a Duragar. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you know something. You, yep. they go they go and win. They, they're know. gonna they're gonna take us take you for the cleaners and then some more. And yeah, let's let's quickly then talk about the the deities as well. So obviously, there's quite a few deities mm. in the dwarven world, and then here there's only two, two. for the Duragar. <laughs> Yeah. Which is, I guess, I don't know, makes sense in a way. Mm-hmm. I guess because obviously there's twenty or so in the proper big pantheon yeah. with uh, uh, Moradin, and then here you've got obviously the the hero. The, I'm going to say his name wrong again. Uh, Lad- Ladiga, yeah. uh, and then Deep Dura, mm. uh, which yeah, I quite like that because both of them obviously have a very mm. pinnacle role in that history of the Dura. So the Deep Dura, she um, stole the power of the psionics from the mind players mm-hmm. and gifted it to her people. Yep. So again, almost that idea that they are. Heroes from within the clan themselves mm. who are then become almost on a, a godlike deity. I, I like that idea though. I like the idea that they, they've eschewed the idea of deities mm. because their comment was, "Well, okay, well, we needed God. Mm-hmm. Where was he? Yeah, we needed him. Mm-hmm. Look at all the stuff we had here." There's a saying I don't know if it's from the Bible or not, but what God tests their chosen in hell, and this is that. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They worship the people who were gods to them, but they were just people. Yeah. And as, as it says there, that they honor their deity by acquiring more wealth and power. They don't worship them in the traditional sense. Yes. No yes. temples, no formal services, no nothing else. What they do is they live a life dedicated yeah. to the principles of that deity, of that person who meant so very much. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to draw real-world comparisons, but Jesus, anybody? Yeah, exactly. You know, and there's that moment of, yeah, no problem at all. Several thousand years later, here we are, still worshipping them because, you know, something, what they did made that much of a difference. Mm. Now, I'm not religious. No. But I can see the parallel to that. 100%. Strongly mirrored. Yeah. And there's that whole, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, the priests of uh, Dura, they honour their deity by planning equipment and launching holy crusades against their enemies. Well, that doesn't sound at all like uh, any religion I know, really. (laughs) You know, but at the same time, there's that whole, no, but we do what our God would have us do. Mm -hmm. We don't wait for the help of our God because we know it's not coming. Yeah. Well, I like that. Uh, But as a result, we're stronger because we're not waiting for God to say, right, have it. I've I've, I've, I've part of the sea. It's all good. Off you go. Mm -hmm. We're, We're not doing that. We get in the boat and start paddling. Yeah. We ain't got a boat, no problem. We start swimming. You know what I mean? Are we wearing armor? Yeah, right. Tie on a rope. We'll drag it across afterwards. Done. No problem at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to wait for God to do something. No. Because we know he's not coming. So, yeah. That's such a different mindset to what the dwarves are doing yeah. as well. And I, I yeah, it's all, yeah, they talk about it being the dark reflection mm. of, of the. And I just think, yeah, it makes so much sense that they're just like, yeah, these are just normal people. We do it. We don't do anything special as a result of that. It's just. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, they they talk about the whole you know humanoid captives providing unskilled labour. Well, uh, well, I'm I'm going to go back to religion for a second and say, oh, that's never happened, really. Mm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. So yeah, in recent decades, they've started to move away from the practice of slavery. They've started building mechanical servitors, mm. which we'll come to in a short while. But at the same time, mechanical servitors, right? Okay, so oh, I don't know, like cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which oh wait, we use those. Yeah, uh, drones in general. Um, yeah. Yeah, all you these know, things. Are just all these things. Yeah. And you're like, well, yeah. You know, you're sensitive to sunlight. Why? Yeah. Most of these dwarves spend all their entire lives 
underground? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they sensitive to sunlight? Mountain dwarves never come out. Why aren't they sensitive to sunlight? Yeah. It's but, almost yeah. as if their god cursed them. Pretty much. I, I assume so. And again, I don't I haven't checked the latest uh, Mona Kylan's Monster mm. of the Multiverse or anything like that. I don't know whether they have, they have removed oh, that. I'm waiting for that. That's gonna be interesting. Yeah. I, I assume they will do because they've done that for other things like the mm. Cobalts and stuff like that, and uh, presumably for Drow. Yeah, I I wonder because that'll be interesting to see how it was to how it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it'll be I don't know, it's interesting when they, they do all the other bits and you know, the psionic awakenings of these things, the fact that they use psionics. Yeah, so that, that's an interesting thing. So it talks about that idea that they're born with some sort of psionic talent, mm. which they can turn invisible uh, and they can I, also I love the size. idea of that. Dwarves are cloaking devices. Come on. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, yeah, seriously. I, I've definitely... The, the Klingons of the D&D, aren't they? That's what well, they are. Yeah, kind of, definitely. You know? <laughs> I definitely see that. And I think I, I remember, again, one of our early games for my mm. Monday game, we were in the Underdark and then we could see a dwarf being taken up and they were telling mm. us to go away. And we're like, what are you talking about? And then we realised... They're surrounded by invisible Duragar who were just coming after us, like, and we didn't, mm. we couldn't see them because we're like, what's going on? <laughs> so, yeah. oh, and it was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. We had like six perfect. of them on us. But it begs the question invisibility. Mm-hmm. Well, you live on the ground, it's dark. Who thought you needed invisibility? Surely the better thing would be to have, oh, I don't know, the ability to see absolutely everything. Yeah, like proper, like full-on dark vision. Omnivision, yeah. yeah. You know, you'd see everything as if it was bright daylight, no problem mm-hmm. at all. Which then explains why you don't want to go outside, no problem yeah. at all. Yeah, because you'll be you go outside and suddenly blind! You know, uh, which, but, you know. um, it did talk about uh, those who delved into psionic research, mm. the process of accessing a dimensional space which they can tap into the energy to... Uh, this energy and then mm. it gives other examples which obviously doesn't come with the actual sort of stat block mm. per se but this idea that they could alter their bodies and those yep. other creatures tap into thoughts bend them to as they see fit yep. and impart a spark of locomotion and even basic intelligence into objects so yeah coming through to that so the idea of making those uh, sort of constructs and that sort of thing mm. but that the idea that they could bend and almost do modify memory is yep. something that i was like again very mind flayer-esque on that as well mm. i just thought that's what I would add if again if I was having like uh, you know the meeting a clan and there is oh, mm-hmm. oh they're captured in some way but there is like some sort of mm-hmm. not even uh, not even like a arcanist or anything like that but just just somebody who, who mm-hmm. can do that who can delve in and find those memories and stuff and pluck mm-hmm. them out and then they you know just have them. You see, that's the thing because for me the only way I saw this mm-hmm. of them being in any way evil mm-hmm. is what if just just what if. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Migu uh, from Call of Cthulhu? Mm, yes. Um, so, you know, they replace brains. Mm-hmm. So you've got plant-based creatures running around in the bodies of other things. Mm. What if the Juragon never did make it out? Oh, shoot. What if the experiments were actually to transplant elithids into the bodies of dwarves? What if all the psionic energies and everything else and all the other stuff, what if the racial memory is still correct but the racial memory is of the illithids whoa what if these were convinced that they were dwarves at one point what if they were convinced that ladiger did he got them out he saved them whoa and they have that moment where they have this heroic history they have this narrative and they have this hate because the dwarves hated them for what they'd become. But actually, what had actually happened was the dwarves had gone, you're not dwarves, you're lithids. Then, yeah. that makes sense. 
that's such a cool concept. I love that idea. That's the only way I could see this yeah. this whole their evil narrative working. Yes. And if they'd made any reference to the fact that they're still illithids, yeah. I'd, I'd have got it. This, this whole thing goes away. No problem Agreed. at all. They're evil. It's cool. I'm, I'm down so with that. No problem at all. But as it is, you know, there's, there's oh. that whole... And if that's what they've done with the new stuff, yeah, you know, something great. Fantastic. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see that. No problem at yeah, all. But definitely. With this, it's that whole thing of you haven't given me enough for them to be evil. Mm-hmm. You haven't given me enough to tell them with certainty. Mm-hmm. You are everything that was bad. Mm-hmm. You are the bad thing. Right now, they're the victims. Yeah, 100%. If they were illithid, running around with illithid brains inside dwarf bodies, yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see where that works. No problem at all. Mm. But that's the only way I can see it working. And, you know, I just, I'm not quite willing to bash them mm. on the whole, you know, you, you must be evil because you got caught by lithids. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's every player character in the universe ever encountered the bleeders, hasn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you go back and you suddenly think, well, you know, you were near the lithids, surely you're bad now. It's like, really? Yeah. You know, it's, and then, I don't know. It's it's a curious thing. It's it's a, a thought behind it, and you, know, you you look at the the bits and pieces that it's got, and it's got nothing really about how you can you could play. Gives you, it gives, gives you like the quirks and maybe a reason why mm. you might want to be out there. But yeah, compared to other yeah. certainly the readings I've done, like um in, in Volos recently, we've done an episode on beholders, and there's a whole bit about like how do mm. you role play a beholder, and obviously with Feds yeah. that's come out, how do you role play these dragons and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, for for Duragar, there isn't much in it. Like no. again, in the tables at the end, you've got the idea of what clans, you know, like clan status, like what their mm. sort of it, like individual trait, like maybe what they're mm. obsessing over or what their sort yep. of main deal is, and then like why you might be out in the world. Uh, and then a couple of if you're gonna have some, I don't know, a dwarfish envoy, like what people mm. will be in there and stuff. But you're right, there doesn't seem to be much in terms of like how would you play this. Sensibly, not even sensibly. I don't no. know what the word would be, but appropriately, I don't know. In 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 any way, capably. I mean, yes, capably is the is, yeah. is the is the word I'm kind of. You know, it, it's. I mean, I, I look at the. I mean, there's the there's the monster manual at the back of it with all the different examples of what they are and everything else. Which, and I'm looking at these things and uh, do I go a despot? Well, it's a cyborg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Simple as you, you've replaced you've replaced a few bits with other bits. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's fine, but that doesn't sound like something that a sensible dwarf would be getting up to. And you've got dwarf uh, hammers, mm-hmm. which, again, interesting concept, but it's a dreadnought. Mm-hmm. It's quite literally something inside a dreadnought powered by pain. Well, why, why would you want to be powered by pain? Why can't you just engineer something that works properly? And you know, you've got the the, the cavalry. And the, the, the curious thing here, which which I'm. I'm entirely not sure where this goes, but uh, when the Juragar hits a target with a melee attack while mounted on a female steeder, the steeder can make one melee attack against the same target as a reaction. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, what if it's riding a bloke? What's the difference? No you difference. know, the, the, the mind master with the, the mind mastery and everything else, and you, know, you can change things and mind poison damage and all sorts of other stuff, and constructs that screen things and liquefy rock and all sorts of other stuff. But again, you know, the... <sighs> Jugar accused of spreading gossip are trapped within one of these devices. Their heads, beards shorn, and their ongoing agony channel and psychic energy that powers the screen. Well, okay. Does that mean they woke up and they realize that they don't want to be elephants anymore? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, is that is that what it is? Are they still under the elephant's control? I mean, it just, it, none of it makes any sense. I mean, you know, you create Soul Blade. I mean, I love this concept. 
What have you got? It's a dwarven Jedi. That's what that is. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry, Sith. My bad. Uh, wait, only a Sith deals in absolutes. That means the dwarves are the Sith. Ha. There, there we, we go. go. You've done it. Get around that one, people. And, <laughs> ah, you know, and everyone everyone can have invisibility and enlarge. Or mm-hmm. yeah. and then of course the warlord, which is you know yeah. significantly monstrous as far as it goes. But you just mm-hmm. and I think there's so much more that could be used with them. And I'm hoping that the, the new term, the new modern guidance, has the whole right. So we thought about this, mm-hmm. and here's what we've got. Mm-hmm. And you did something with it in that respect. That that would you know that'd be interesting. But I, I'm back to the whole. I mean, the argument came about that no race should be classified as evil. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely agree. But here you go. You've got a situation where if they are just dwarves, you've got to give them the choice. Surely. Yeah. 100%. Just because they're, they're they're bound by these various things, and some of their clanmates do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a bad sheep in the family. Mm-hmm. You're an adventurer. You're not staying underground and causing people to scream once. Surely that makes you one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. And yet you turn up at a dwarven stronghold and they all go, no, outcasts. And you're like, thanks, guys. I just came here to sell you some apples. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> We're both on the same page about this. It's like, mm. it's like I think from a really interesting historical mm. like story, origin story, and then the way it's portrayed, certainly in modern kind of a sort of like, it feels it's tries to do it like sort of uh, black and white when mm. it definitely isn't. It definitely feels yeah. a lot of gray areas here, and mm. yeah, definitely, yeah, I completely agree. I I, I remember now actually, I, I, we faced a screamer in one of my games, mm-hmm. and it was horrible. Mm. And we, but because to the point where we tried to cut the person out of the screamer, we mm. thought, oh, they've been, and then obviously they died anyway because we, yeah. you know, that's what we could do. But it's like, yeah, it was one of those things where we did not like it at all because we're like that person's yeah. being tortured in there yep. that's a yeah so it's that sort of again maybe it's just just the way we we see our games like we don't we we see uh, yeah, the people rather yeah. than uh but, but you would though wouldn't you that's the whole thing yeah. you know um i mean i just noticed something here on the uh Dugar quirks mm-hmm. on a roll of one a separate personality in your mind provides advice and guidance to you yes i did see that one as well 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 <laughs> dear, dear my tentacled uncle there we go <laughs> Yeah, just, just. that's a sort of like a nice point on the quirk table because again, mm. I, it was a quite an interesting one where obviously, as you said, most of them will probably have stayed in in the mountainside for a long time, mm. so they'll be in awe of certain things. So there's one in the quirk table saying, "Oh, you are amazed every time water falls from the sky, or you yeah. have, or you have a parasol uh, to prevent." Uh, yep. this and I thought actually I think that was quite cute I quite like that yeah. as, a, as a little as a little quirk it's because again it's mm. not like it's that sort of wonder rather than like fear like what is this why mm. does it keep happening oh and maybe having like a dwarven character that has a little notebook of all the different kinds of weather mm. and little rain it goes this is the third time of rain mm. we've experienced like this and mm. I think because I, I like that as a little sort of quirk that's not necessarily a harmful stereotype or anything like that but it's actually an interesting one to be mm. like oh the sky <laughs> like yeah. As opposed to the one at the bottom end of those quirks, which I thought was very curious, because for dwarves, you avoid contact with other dwarves since you mistrust those who would leave their strongholds. But you've left your stronghold. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. I put that one Is it because you're just untrustworthy? Is that what the problem is? 
you know, therefore everybody else must be it's like yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like do as i say and not as i do so yeah. like, why, why have you left your stronghold yeah. I, I have a reason why have you yeah. you know yeah what are you doing out here that's sure. yeah i was here yeah it's like a debate in the house of the parliament yes. why are you doing yeah. this <laughs> you're doing this as well it doesn't matter you're doing it first it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah i agree i agree but yeah it's um yeah i think there's so much more that could be gone into it but mm-hmm. it's and the artwork that's in there as well, you've got the bit where, there we go, page 78 it is, um, and you've got all the, all the Duragars out there, mm-hmm. and there's a brain floating in the air, and you're like, really? Yeah. Well, is that past? Is that present? Yeah, is that happening now? Yeah. Is the reason they don't come out because they've got a brain floating in the air every once in a while? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's a decoration, Lord Moradin. Yeah, really, it is. <laughs> you know. What happened? Well, we brought this thing to you. It's this big orb. Yeah. It, what does it do? Nothing. It's just ornamental. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to roll it into this dwarven stronghold here. Yeah. See what yeah. happens. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. I will say one of, one of the my favorite pieces in this chapter. It's uh, near towards the end where, uh, where it's about the inside the stronghold of the mm. um, Duragar one, and it just looks for me. It's like Gates of Mordor, very yeah. uniform esque, and again, it really is that sort of thing. Going, it's 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 not about the beauty of it. It is just yeah. like this is what it does, and it just gets yeah. the smokes coming up and everything. It looks yeah. oh. It's yeah. brutalist architecture. Yes, and I love brutalist architecture. Love it. Yeah, no problem at all. I've got no issue with that. There it is. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Of architecture styles, I prefer Art Deco. But at the same time, mm-hmm. there's that moment of yeah. But what have you got? You've got something that's completely functional. Yes. Right. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing at all. You know, you, you look at many countries that you know aren't England, and they're filled with stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you look at new office blocks, and it's like yeah. They're not going to call it brutalist, but my Christ, it is. Look at it. I mean, <laughs> what it's, it's, is it? What's it? Efficiency and quantity yeah. over quality. So. Yeah. What are we going to have? Open plan. Well, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, we know it doesn't work. What are we going to do instead? I know. Let's build offices that look like beehives. <laughs> Everyone has to walk into their little own cubicle and they can't see it. Yeah, it's all in the honeycombs, like yeah. trapped forever. And all you can see is the people on the other side also sitting in their honeycombs going, help me. They're taking it's... my honey. <laughs> Steal someone's sandwiches and just call it honey. Yes. Mm. Uh, not words. <laughs> John, thank you so much. I think we've covered so much there in this yeah. in this uh, relatively like yeah, about twenty pages or so. And mm. I, yeah, like I said, I gained a lot out of it. I, mm. I do feel now that I, I do feel like I want to play Dwarves mm. more, and I definitely want to make sure, like, if I did, like, really look into like having that good backstory and making mm. sure the reason I'm I was adventuring or or out. It's connected in some way, and yeah, mm. I, and it's it's just again, it's just an interesting way. Like as we sort of compare that Durgar to dwarves, mm. that, like what would happen if we did come across some Durgar also, or, or another mm. clan? Because again, it talks about this idea of rivalries or being friends, but from a distance. It's like, are you always friends with dwarves? You know, you mm. know, it, just because they're dwarves, do we all look the same? Do we all know each other? Yeah. You know, I loved yeah. it as as, a, as an interesting. Like I said, there's definitely bits of the chapter where I'm like. I'm not so sure about, but mm. I appreciate certainly that first beginning bit and the history mm. of it. And then I think, yeah, going forward, I would definitely, like, as we've pretty much discussed to death, that mm. no evil stuff, just yeah. make it as, as grey as we can. Just, just make it clear. It's not yeah. a problem. I mean, for me, the the, the Duergar are, I mean, I played Shadowrun quite a lot mm. um, and Street Samurai. Okay, well, I see here there's Duergar Despot. Mm-hmm. What's that if not a dwarven Street Samurai? <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll have that. No problem. Yeah, yeah, give us that. No problem at all. Mm-hmm. What's this? Well, it's not my real arm, but you know, something has got claws in it. It's all good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, yeah. And it, it, it runs the line dangerously between the two, but I, I just, I really want to see them make it so that you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Agreed. You know, there, there is no limit. There is no, you must be this if you are this. Mm-hmm. Which runs for me contrary to the very ideals that it was founded on. Which I appreciate. There's going to be a million people out there who argue that, and that's fine. Bring it on, no worries. But you know, it's no. I, 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 I've, I've loved every part of this, and yeah. I like the fact that it's it was written in such a way that I've disagreed with it. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I also like because there's that moment of yeah, no problem at all. I, I cared enough to actually disagree. Yes. Which okay, win. You know, if if I'd read it and gone, yeah, that don't make sense, mm-hmm. and then I wouldn't have thought about it one second further. Whereas now, I'm like, yeah, maybe they're all lithids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. take that. You know, I like no. that. I think that's true. I think that's like, certainly with Mordecai's, and probably with other mm-hmm. books well, when we look back at them, it's like actually I don't agree with everything, I said, and that's mm-hmm. okay. And I think yeah. it's just taking that moment to be do a critique of a book rather mm-hmm. than criticize it. And I think that's yes. something I've discovered recently. A lot of there's obviously a lot of criticism towards D and D, which is completely valid, but it's not a critique. And it's no. like, well, what can we do to make it better? Like point to mm-hmm. people who are making those changes in in homebrew stuff in DMs Guild. I want to see that, you know, and we've got to keep signposting mm. and stuff like that because otherwise we'll just, we won't question it. We'll just go, no. we'll just say, go, yeah, I guess. Okay, great. That's and just then the just way it on. is. But no, I've, I've enjoyed myself immensely. Thank you again for having me. No worries. Well, John, like, let's do, let's do plugs. Hooray. Um, what are you up to? <laughs> like, uh, have you got, I don't know, have you got a book coming out? I might've, I might've heard about that. So. Well, curiously, curiously enough, tomorrow, in fact, I do have <gasps> books arriving. It's all good. Yeah. So my, uh, my my second book, which is my first novel, which is Ocean of Stars, mm-hmm. uh, available now from Luna Press. Um, but yes, uh, there's that. There's more conventions, which, let's be fair, this is me. Uh, there's always going to be conventions. Um, all those interested, though, um, we're next to Aircon in uh, two weeks' time. Mm-hmm. So two weeks, that would actually be the, uh, the 12th of March or thereabouts. Because mm-hmm. uh, the thought occurs this won't go out in two weeks' time. So there we go. And yeah, then UK Games Expo after that. There's going to be something interesting there. Yeah. As as I'm sure, Fiona, you can mention later on at some point. But um, yes, yes, indeed. So yes, that too. But uh, overall, it's a, it's a busy time. For me, I always see you as the busiest man on the UK <laughs> gaming scene in general. Like, what's John up to? Yeah. A lot of fun <laughs> stuff, and also writing, and also being a dm for for our silly campaign uh, so. i'm not going to use the word fun <laughs> <laughs> fine i'll use it for you How's there that? we go there we go cool well i'll just wrap up um obviously i've been your host uh fiona and i've run the what am i rolling podcast which is a twice monthly rpg one-shot podcast as always it's going very very well a couple of solo rpgs coming out and we'll hopefully at some point have a paranoia rpg coming out sometime it'll be fun uh we've also got a few other bits we've got some guests uh, GMs coming on which I'm very excited for so we'll have uh, Numenera coming up uh, which was great fun to run uh, not run sorry I played in that and that was really really fun and yeah and then finally just there is a offer code for Third Space Gaming a friendly local game shop in Burnley if you put into the checkout uh, DMBC you get 10% off your first order uh, and that could be anything but I also just want to plug John's book I pre-ordered it I can't wait uh, I, yeah I saw I, I saw the cover and I was like ah oh, I remember remember us talking about this so i was very very excited to to do that pre-order and yeah that's all i have to say on the subject (laughs) with that uh thank you so much for listening and we will speak to you see you uh we'll be back next week with another episode until then goodbye everyone (laughs) goodbye